0: This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, professor of sport management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. On today's podcast, we have a recorded interview with sport agent and president of Sport Management Worldwide, Dr. Lynn Lashbrook. We discuss his career representing athletes, how name, image, and likeness legislation will change college sports, and his advice for students wanting to break into sports. I hope you enjoy. Dr. Lashbrook, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Well, I'm excited to speak with you because one of the career paths that I hear a lot from our students is sports agent. And if students are interested in becoming an agent, you know, what advice do you have for them or, or maybe kind of start, how should they begin? What would be that career path? Well, I
1: started a company. We'll backtrack on that. But basically, I started sports management worldwide first. How to be an agent after the jerry Maguire movie and the launching of the internet worldwide <laughs> and now we have 35 courses but it's about relationships and the nil is a 2.0 revolution but uh, in an eight-week course a student anybody can learn the nuances and then we have an agent advisor program as an incubator we're the only ones in the world that offer it it sounds self-serving but It's hard for me to sit here and tell somebody wants to be an agent. You don't need a law degree. Many successful agents do. Uh, You need a relationship. And um, it's that simple. And we do an online eight week course with an agent advisor program. And we're very popular and we have students from all over the world.
0: I think that's one of the questions I get the most from students is the law degree question, you know, do I have to go to law school? So you're saying it's not necessarily mandatory that you have to do that. There's other paths where students can get no
1: athletes ever asked for my transcript. and I have a doctorate, (laughs) but I don't think that got me anybody. And I got to be honest with you, as you're in sports, man, I've been in sports management for 50 years. But if you look at the evolution, and then you add COVID chapter, uh, the online components here to stay. And the higher ed model of degree means you're an expert in a changing world. For example, there's nobody who's an expert in NIL, and there's no book out on NIL. So the world is changing, and we have business leaders in sports, a for-profit standalone. I call this, reputationally accredited. I have colleagues all over the world. But our price points, we complement a university degree. We have a virtual internship program that many students from schools around the country take our courses cluster and count as a virtual internship. It really surged with COVID. But um, I think the world is changing. Higher ed has to be careful that every student has to have this major or that major. Uh, We have to become more relevant, particularly in that field. But there's so many fields to work in sports. I tell people it's a trillion dollar business. And there's so many opportunities around the world. And uh, that's just one course, the agent course, if I may.
0: You hit on something that I want to get to a little bit later, especially, you know, is a sport management degree necessary? I, I don't mm-hmm. think it is, but we will talk about that. <laughs> but, um, you know, just what is your day to day as a sport agent?
1: The day to day, it's very exciting. I mean, the last two years I've been to the Super Bowl with my client, Matt Moore. Uh, he's been with me 14 years, but I've had over 100 clients in the NFL. I always tell the story. If you get Ralph Dawkins out of Louisville, you might get introduced to the younger brother, Brian Dawkins, out of Clemson, who's an NFL Hall of Fame. I've had first-rounders to free agents. Uh, GMs will call you if you have the right player. Now we train people to be agents, so we're very busy. We do about 35 different Zoom chats a week depending on what sport we have: baseball agent, football agent, basketball agent. Uh, my job is basically on the phone. Some people come for our preferred partnership with Concordia University and our masters and doctor. I've been a. I started out as a phys ed teacher. That's all there was. A master's in phys ed at Springfield College, and got my doctorate in kinesiology. That's all there was back in 1973, and I started. I have a tenured professor. I left and became a assistant athletic director at University of Missouri in charge of academics and compliance. And then I became an athletic director at Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. And then I moved up to University of Alaska, Fairbanks, turned down the Western Michigan job, became a sports agent through my network. When I was at Missouri, I met agents and the rest is history. But to be honest with you, I, I don't I tell people I tell my students every day, it's not the degree on the wall that's most important. It's the wall, stupid. And I didn't mean that in a derogatory way. We get so focused on our major and they're becoming more and more irrelevant what you major in. Yeah, I think a college degree, we obviously support that. I'm an educator at heart, but we get trapped into the course and the degree and the major and we got to be careful. And sports managers, one in every corner of every state, everybody has sports management. But if you look at many of the professors respectfully, uh, they've never been an agent, et cetera. So we, we provide mentors that come in on Zoom chats that are in the field, been in it for all their life. And that's the exciting part about our component, but we're friends of higher ed. And we're not, um, we're not in any way a competitor to a high, higher ed experience. But I will tell you, I say water the cinder track, which I did as a football player, In the off season, I also did digital video editing with the 16 millimeter film. I I, uh, what I'm saying is that any kid that's going to college sports management, you need to try to work in the athletic department. And I think that's one of the big gaps right now is we're not articulating that laboratory. And that's really a kind of a pet peeve of mine, if I may.
0: And that's one of the things I talk about with yes, my students, just from my background in working in sports, you know, relationships are everything, whether you want to be a, an right. agent or you want to get in ticket sales or anything else. But, you know, I, I do want to segue into college athletics. You talked about yeah. your background as an AD, You know, what it's been different from the time where, where you were working as an AD from Alaska to, to Missouri to everywhere in between to, to what's going on today.
1: Well, as we know, it's a 2.0 revolution. It's seismic. The Supreme Court ruling, Uh, the NCA said it's been tradition. We need to keep it. The world has changed, of course. It'd be like the cell phone or the payphone saying the cell phone is not healthy. We've been here first and we're at every airport. This would not be good. It's, It's an irrelevant comment. So this revolution Uh, The NIL, as you see, the the young man from Texas uh, graduating early in high school so he can monetize his image at Ohio State. And because it's the state of Texas, for example, in high school. So just like analytics is a revolution and digital video editing is a revolution, the NIL is a revolution. Some schools have already left their conferences uh, in the future. They plan Uh, it's going to be seismic. What happens to the non-revenue sports? Uh, How much money can one sport make over another, one individual over another? Uh, It remains to be seen. We talk about every day we have an NIL course, Name, Image, and Likeness, with Mark Eisenberg, who's writing a book as we speak. But I'm fascinated. Uh, I don't know what college athletics looks like. I think some will survive. But if you look at the backdrop, since we're both in higher ed, there's a backdrop of the business model of higher ed. And if you look at student loan debt as a crisis, and uh, online education and the need for campus. I believe in the campus experience. I've never said online's the only, but it sure works for the other uh, 200 countries out there that want access to what's going on. At the same time, the higher ed, the AD and the booster that may rather give $20,000 to the quarterback that stays in state than they would uh, to the press box enhancement uh, the, I, I think it's fascinating. A lot of ADs are resigning as we speak, and, and I don't think we know what it totally looks like. I think it's co- called the wild, wild west. It's an upheaval. I don't know where the NCA goes, if, even if it survives. The exciting thing is I think college sports are still have a potential to survive. Uh, I think now as I look back, the athletes do deserve to monetize their marketability, whether it's social media Every athlete at every level in any sport is a a valuable commodity back in their hometown, their high school, which means camps and appearances. And that's why it's not just the big market schools or the big schools or the revenue sports. Any athlete uh, has a following. And so I'm fascinated by it. I couldn't sit here today. Only thing I can predict is there's chaos and it's upheaval. And it's something we'll talk about on a daily basis.
0: You know, I I agree. And there's always unintended consequences to some of these things. And I I think a lot of people can get on board, even those who maybe weren't or who were against paying college athletes just across the board. I think a lot of people can get on board. Well, it's my name. It's my image. It's my likeness. You know, there's something un American about not being able to to at least sell that. My prediction, I'm kind of interested in what you think is, Uh I could see the Power Five, and I remember these discussions going on at NACTA back when I went years ago, right. um, splitting off either going away from the NCAA or creating their yeah. own thing or their own division. And I just wonder how do mid majors and lower majors compete? Yeah. Because how does that first string quarterback at Southern Illinois, how does that compete against the the backup quarterback at, at Alabama?
1: No, I, I love the question. We go back to '83, and the and the SCC schools and others led the charge to have their own football system, if I may, the CFA, and that was really the beginning, and even this Supreme Court ruling doesn't really address, can they get paid, and then do they become employed, but that's somewhat coming in my prediction, and so it's a great question, but name, image, and likeness has left the the train station, and it's here, and some coaches are adjusting reluctantly, others are embracing it. I do think the mid-levels, for example, growing up in Kansas City with Kansas, Missouri went to the SEC already. Kansas and Kansas State are not involved with the SEC, with Texas and Oklahoma. Uh, so what do they become? I think there's going to be room in the playoff system in football and basketball. You know, the Ma- March Mandis has been very successful. Uh, so I do think as we get fallout, there'll still be opportunities. And I'm fascinated to watch. I'm watching as closely as you are. What I liked about this podcast is willing to talk about it, go to the trenches of people in it daily. I mean, that's our business model. Not only are we global, uh, we prepared for this and we're, we're dealing with it. We have NIL, we have athlete marketing class. We have an agent course, of course, analytics, um, e-sports, which is a revolution, self-sports so betting, which is now part of the revenue stream for venues. Uh, It's hard to swallow this 20 years ago. I was a passionate student athlete, graduating four years. I think I've coined the phrase not student athlete anymore, but athlete student. That is not derogatory that student wouldn't benefit from a college degree. But I think that you're going to find the priorities change. And we still don't know, how do you enforce any kind of legislation when you don't even know what the rules are and then who's enforcing them. So it's, it's good, fascinating stuff. And as States that went ahead and and passed some kind of NIL legislation, there's other States there's no guidelines because the NCA really doesn't have any guidelines. So it's a crazy time. What a great opportunity if you want to work in sport, whether it's on the fundraising side or the NIL side or being an athletic director or a coach, It's a brand new world and you no longer can present to a family. Well, here's our graduation rate. Here's our facilities and here's our majors that you might, and we're going to do everything to help you graduate in four years. If you don't talk NIL, whether you're a small Fort Hayes State, my alma mater or Missouri, you're you're probably not going to, somebody else is going to get that person. And then also the transfer portal and the idea that you can leave early. They may go pro. They may go Europe. I, every sport has a little different element, but we've been doing it for hockey and baseball for years. You can get drafted and still return to school. Now a kid out of Canada might say, I can go to Michigan and play hockey and make money. Or um, I can just go directly to pro. Or somebody can stay another year in college because they can make enough money. So those are the new world that we're in. It's very exciting. There's so many opportunities out there. For those that want to embrace uh, the innovation, the craze that's going on, there's a lot of pieces that need to be picked up. Every family and parents are going to have an agent advisor of some sort mm. advising yeah. them. And um, that, that's for sure part of the revolution. And I go back to the cell phone versus the pay phone. The smartphone really revolutionized our society. It's not going away. We're not ever going back. And that's what I feel about NIL. We're never going back. And five years from now, we'll be talking about the continual innovation that goes ahead. No different than Facebook, eBay, Uber. Think of all the Netscape, Yahoo. When I started my company, we did dial up Yahoo. There was no Zoom. And uh, think where we are. And nothing will stop the innovation, particularly from the ground up.
0: Well, that's kind of the fun part about working in the world of sport. It's just always changing. And you talked about, you know, high school parents might actually need representation. Mm -hmm. It's something I never even thought of. And you're absolutely right. You know, I I have experience in in college athletics and coaching. So I feel on the recruiting side, if my son was ever good enough, I can do that. But I don't know anything about building a brand or social media Mm -hmm. or, or, Things like that, so I would imagine those are skills that students need to start embracing right now. Well, families are going, going to be looking
1: for some experience and expertise. I think the NIL director of a campus is going to be really uh, no different. The placement center or the library's best practices—that's mm-hmm. uh, really you're going to be talking to your colleagues, and you know somebody's going to out-recruit somebody because they have a better idea. Everybody thought just the major populations would have the advantage, but. There's there's a lot of money in these rural areas of these big state schools. I always use the Nebraska, a kid from Shadman, a quarterback. He's thinking about going to Notre Dame or Nebraska. The car dealer says, well, you can sponsor my dealership for a nice piece of money or if you stay in Nebraska. So what are the implications of that? What's the implications of a quarterback receiver that are really good tandem uh, that market themselves like Sandy Koufax and Don Drysdale negotiating? So, it's a new world, This uh, so whole you whether you want to be an agent, whether you want to be in college athletics, you want to be in sports marketing. Um, you know, analytics is so exciting. It's allowed that you don't have to have gone and been a great athlete to work in sports. It's the uh, access to opportunity democratizes diversity. I think we're the most diversified company in the world, sports company, and it's just access to opportunity. We have students from 163 different countries Talk about diversity, we talk about gender, race, culture. We don't even keep score. We don't have mm-hmm. a scorecard. We don't have a quota, access to opportunity. And we always tell people they keep their day job. And we'll never guarantee a job, which is the DNA of our integrity, is we can't guarantee a job that's fraudulent. Yep. But with a zero debt, when you take a course and the opportunity to do informational interviews. We make a lot of sense. But until COVID, we got very few of any current college students. Now, every month, we continue to get more and more college students that realize they need more than just their degree from their prestigious university. And that's exciting to be part of the solution. I've never not worked in sports. And so I was five years old and I played catch with my dad, um, baseball. And then I went to my first major league baseball game, the Kansas City A's. Back in 55, I fell in love with the The Wall and the Turf by George Toma. And I went to watch Lamar Hunt come and bring the American Football League, create the name Super Bowl after his daughter bouncing a Super Bowl. And I saw Lamar Hunt, late Lamar Hunt and Phil Anschutz from Kansas bring Major League Soccer to America. I said it'd never work. And um, 30, 40 years later, um Soccer will come to America with the World Cup. It will surpass all sports and popularity in America as football grows. We go to London every year for NFL. The NBA has their league in, in, in Africa. Go global, go home. There's 8 billion people out there. And there's great athletes in India that can play American football, basketball. They just haven't seen the game yet. With eSports, uh, they're going to first play the game. Then they're going to buy a jersey. And then their father is going to buy them a a ball. And either way, the globalization and the Olympics have challenges in some of their sports. uh, But the World Cup, soccer, the NFL calls themselves world champions, but we don't invite any other countries. And so baseball, the same thing. But Bud Selig, before he retired, really did a good job of setting up the World Classic. And uh, basketball is thinking about some kind of international hockey Uh, play before COVID. I was over in Berlin watching an exhibition, but the globalization of sports, it was for years stymied. I called it Silopia. Uh, The leaders of sports were trying to win games. They didn't worry about concessions, marketing, or social media, but the business of sports and Jerry Jones and others get it. Is there's a lot of people around the world. And when you go to London and sell out 70,000 seats and 20 minutes and you go to Jacksonville and they put cabanas up, uh, in order to cover the upper deck to get 40,000. Uh, you're going to have a tough time convincing me. There's not a market in London and Germany and other places. So it's a very exciting
0: time. Speaking of the business of sport, Dr. Lashbrook's a great follow on, on Twitter and, and LinkedIn. And one of the things that you're working on right now is, is a push to bring Major League Baseball to Portland, because I know that's where you're you're based out of right now. So tell us a little bit about that. I know the, you talked about the A's and the Oakland A's are kind of exploring their options right now.
1: I, I guess I've always been a, a – baseball's my DNA. and named my son Brett after George Brett. And I probably watched 30 games a summer. I spent many – hours a day on the farm even though I grew up in the city in Kansas City had a unique background I played baseball every day I played football uh because I couldn't hit the baseball I cheated on the Snellen test and so I I could butt uh to get to first base I could steal and I could throw and I could catch but I forgot to get my eyes checked my brother and sister wore glasses but anyhow when I came to town they were trying to bring back triple A baseball Portland has really been without professional sports except for the Blazers and they had an outside owner and then the late Paul Allen bought them but it was a it was a one one team town and uh, they laughed at me and so I had to bring in consultants but 25 years later I'm still working on as a community that it's my expertise I believe in it I think it'd be great for the community and then the backdrop of Portland the last two years with the turmoil both politically the homeless and the There's just a lot going on in our country. Uh, There's Oakland and Tampa that have to get a new stadium. And to do that, you have to have land. And because uh, Atlanta moved outside the core city, uh, Texas redid this new stadium with more acreage. And even St. Louis added a footprint around their new stadium. There's a trend that the suburb might work. And we discovered on MLB2PDX.com, we discovered 250 acres that's available with a view of the Mount Hood and with transportation in place already. Uh, it's kind of exciting, nobody has land. So I've always said it's easier to own the land than is land the owner. So we're working on that, but that's a hobby. I'm really proud 25 years later that we build a business from one student over 21,000 graduates from 163 different countries. So that's my business, my hobby. Will it happen? I don't know, but I think we're making progress because as I look at Oakland, they're trying really hard and they're trying to leverage Vegas. It, it is, does stay pretty hot down there. It's going to be a challenge where hockey and and, and football, is going to be, football is going to be a no-brainer this year after COVID, but hockey's proven successful. Uh, but there's a question about the Southern climate and whether it's Miami with a new stadium or Tampa, but neither have a place and they need to relocate or get new stadiums before they're going to do expansion. And they do want to go to 32 and then they'll move on globally as I talked earlier. And so we have some time here, uh, but we found a, a site, uh, the mayor of Gresham before he resigned, uh, introduced me to it. And, you know, I got a political battle because Gresham is looked at like Kansas city, Kansas. In fact, Kansas city, Kansas is where I grew up. And now we uh, have a home to a speedway of 70,000 seats as well as a very successful uh, soccer uh, stadium, Sporting Kansas City, and it redeveloped. So baseball could be a catalyst for all the other challenges in portable housing, corporations, etc. So I've become quite a businessman, it happens to be baseball's a catalyst for that, and a great place to rally 20 or 30,000 people for 81 days. So I'm having fun with it. And um, I think it's a, it's a great endeavor. And I'm the last one standing. I've got the, the fingerprints all over it. Will it make it or not? I don't know. I've had fun doing it. And the cause has been sincere, very transparent. It's sure not a moneymaker, but uh, my family has been supportive of my dream. And if you don't dream a little bit and give back to your community, then you know I question getting paid in sports and building a business. But I think we all are community minded and we have to be. And I think baseball is good for our society. I think sports has helped us get through COVID. I think COVID has been very difficult on everybody. I don't care what family demographics, wealth or no wealth, uh, raising children or no children. I We're all cope with the same thing and be able to turn on that TV or streaming and see sports. I think it gave us some, some sanity. And so I'm excited about our baseball chip, but it's a sideshow. Uh, it's been fun to do. And I'm still pretty confident, but I may be the only one standing that feels that way.
0: Well, it's a great hobby. And, and as a guy who named his son Ryan after Ryan Sandberg, I, I understand your love for, for baseball. And I named my son Brett after George
1: Brett. So yeah, he did
0: it. exactly. And
1: Sandberg was one of our clients when I was with Jim Steiner and Jim Turner. No kidding. And uh, yeah, he's out of, played at Wichita, right? Or no, he's Spokane, but he's from Wichita. Yep. Yeah, right. Yep. And uh, Joe Carter went to Wichita. But anyway, I had a, a thrill of being involved with with all these athletes and um, you know, I love being an agent, but I love being an AD. I love being assistant AD. I love being a compliance officer. I love being an academic advisor. I love being a professor. I've taught for 50 years and I believe online is special. And I think when they leave our program, they learn how to do online and make it fun. Uh, and 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 we're kind of hit the right buttons right now. And we're going to grow and we're growing globally. It's it, and if you can help, underdeveloped countries with business leaders by learning, uh, transmitting uh, knowledge. Uh, None of this is rocket science and the influence of Charlie Finley, what he did in Kansas City as an innovator. And then the late Lamar Hunt. Uh, It's just an exciting time. I, I can't imagine not working in sports and people are shocked when they see our company. It sounds too good to be true and probably been our hardest hurdle in marketing is we just sound too good to be true for our price point and our delivery and our transparency but that's the reason whether I get a podcast with you or somebody else we just tell our story every day we're going to keep growing and I appreciate you asking
0: my pleasure and the last question I have for you I like to ask all our professionals that we have on if you had just a couple pieces of advice for students who are looking to make that break into sport what would they be well get get paid for your passion
1: and meet somebody every time you're in Starbucks line. I, my favorite line, they laugh at I me. Mean, where'd you go to high school? But everybody has a story. And I'm amazed how many people don't even know how to reciprocity when you ask them a question. They never learn how to ask about somebody else. The more you ask about somebody else, the more you learn about the industry. And they'll ask about you. And our secret sauce is informational interviews. Some people do 25 or 30 uh, but there's never too late to work in sports. There's never too late. And I just say that what SMWW provides, we have a bright future because we deliver. We're honest and, and we have a lot of fun. And I just would get paid for your passion. And If you're not passionate going to work every day, what you do, then I would say you're failing yourself. And that's why we provided this company and this conduit. So it's, uh, it's fun and exciting to watch people uh, get paid for their passion.
0: If people want to learn more about Sport Management Worldwide, they can go to sportmanagementworldwide.com. And you can also follow Lynn on Twitter, at SMWW. Dr. Lashbrook, really appreciate the, the conversation and, and all the best to you. Good
1: luck to you and all your dedication. And it's a bright future. We try to be a friend to everybody out there. And thank you for reaching out today.
0: My pleasure. Thank you. Okay, thanks, buddy. I'll see you later. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to download our next episode on Friday, August 13th, as we talk with Trine alumnus and 2021 Olympian, Joe Schroeder. As always, we'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes today. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also, be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter